these athletes factually Apparently it's not one part of the strategy gone Development, it's all we envelop in telephrin A wealth of intelligence Unless you're selfishly embellishing all of the championships Basking it in, let's study in the conferences Pac-12 and Big, 12 and the 10 SEC, ACC, win, 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 win It just kind of fades from there, that's good Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome everybody to Devi Owner's Manual Episode 4. Here to review and cover all things Devi, college football related. Follow us on Twitter at Devi Manual. And our email address is DeviOwner'sManual at gmail.com. Send us an email if you have any questions. If you want to send us a picture of your roster, let us know what, what you think we should do. Glad to help you out. And also a very special thank you to Chris and Adam from Dynasty Owners Manual for allowing us to be a part of their podcast family. I'm introduce my co-host, Andrew. Andrew, how you doing tonight, man? Doing good, Dwight. How are you? Doing good, man. Doing good. Just not ready for all this snow and winter crap. And Oh, yeah, that stupid white stuff. Yeah, if you're listening to this in California, screw you. Anyways. <laughs> they, have, they have the fire, so. I know. <laughs> Fires, hurricanes, you know, sometimes I'd rather have snow to tell you the truth, I tell you. All right, the first segment, we're going to go through a quick recap of the games last weekend. Andrew, there was a lot of dominant wins by a lot of the top teams. Was there one performance that stood out to you as? Kind of unfortunate there wasn't a lot of upsets like the week before. It kind of spoiled us. There was only one team I think I saw in the top 12 or so that lost. I can't remember who it was, but it wasn't anything that was uh, completely unexpected. And they mentioned oh. the top the top 10 stayed the same for the first time in yeah. quite some time. Yeah, yeah. no, it was Kentucky that lost, and it was actually a pretty one-sided game. That was actually who I looked at and saw was the most dominant performance. Tennessee beat Kentucky 24-7. Your upset, you called, with your horrible rendition of Rocky Top. Benny Snell really couldn't get going in that game. Um, Kentucky's offense in general just couldn't get rolling. They've been really living or dying with Benny Snell. They haven't had great quarterback play. Even if they would have had any quarterback play, the player that made the biggest impact for Tennessee was their junior linebacker, Darrell Taylor. He had seven tackles, one for fumble, and four sacks. So he had himself a pretty decent game and didn't really give Kentucky a chance to really get their head out of the ground and get things going. Who, for you, Dwight, would you say was the most dominant performance you saw? I was impressed with Washington State. It was um, what I thought was a potential trap game. It would be a little bit more of a dangerous performance by them. And Gardner, Gardner Minshew looked phenomenal. Like, he, he has great pocket presence. He's Mike Leet has an offense that just fits him very, very well. And their defense is playing pretty decent, too. They're lining up here to have a huge showdown in two weeks against Washington. Here in two weeks, that weekend after, or this, not this weekend, but the weekend after, that weekend after Thanksgiving, there is some hella good, hella good football games that weekend for college football. Rivalry week's always fun. As a Florida fan, I always look forward to Florida State, especially this year, since they aren't playing very well. But you get Michigan, Ohio State, that's going to be a big college playoff impact game. Um, You're going to get Oklahoma, West Virginia. You're going to get, you talked about, uh, Washington, Washington State. Uh, one thing I did notice this weekend, though, in uh, a dominant performance as well, was Alabama's 24 nothing win over Mississippi State. Tua, I really think his knee is bothering him, but I think they're just so much better across the board for everybody that it's not really coming up as much. And they're playing the Citadel this week, which is always a tune-up game before they play Auburn. They always have somebody lower on the totem pole. I wouldn't play Tua. 
Yeah, I don't think that they play to a hardly at all. I would be surprised if he makes it even through the first half. I imagine they'll be up 28 to nothing on the first four drives and they'll take him out. It's just too critical for them coming up, going into the playoffs and stuff. Yeah, especially, I mean, you got Jalen Hurts, who's won you a national championship, so it's not like they have somebody who's never gotten their feet wet as a backup. I just don't see why they would play Tua. I could see him going in for one, two drives, but that's it. Your upset of the last week was a two-point conversion away from becoming true. What do you think about Oklahoma at this point in the year? Do you think they can crash the party in the playoffs? I talked about it last week, and I've talked about it, I think, in the few episodes we've had. This Oklahoma defense, I heard somebody say it this week, and I can't remember who it was, and I apologize. It's like they forget to tackle every other play. They just don't get stops. They give up a lot of points. Oklahoma State looked very, very good. Ty Wallace was phenomenal. I think he's going to be the next big Oklahoma State wide receiver, following in James Washington, Des Bryant, and all of them. I just don't think that Oklahoma defense is going to be able to do anything for him. Even if they somehow get by West Virginia potentially twice, I don't think if they get it, if they make it to the college football playoff, I don't see them getting past because they'll go in as the four. Alabama will put 50 on them, and it won't be anything good for them. So we're going to go over the stock watch through this week. Uh, Andrew, were there some players that helped themselves and some that hurt themselves with their performances this last week? One I really think helped his draft stock, and he's continuously doing it. So since their one loss of the year was Will Greer, I think a lot of people are finally starting to turn around on him. Benjamin Albright isn't, as me and him had discussed previously in the week on Twitter, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. I just think Will Greer, as far as the age thing, I think Baker kind of broke that whole scare this year. He was an older quarterback coming in. I don't worry about systems anymore. I think Baker and Russell Wilson and a lot of them have broken that. I think it was Matt Miller said it the other day. In the pro level, there's no system quarterbacks. You can either play or you can't, and I think Will Greer can play. Uh, Last week, he put up 25 for 39, passing for 343 yards and three touchdowns. He did have one pick, but I do see him be old enough and mature enough to ace the draft process and kind of be able to just see his stock climb from there. I'm finally seeing some light at the end of the tunnel of this quarterback class, but I'm trying not to get too excited. We'll see how it goes come April. And then as far as my stock down, the aforementioned Benny Snell on Kentucky, um, he was held 81 yards on 20 carries. That's still four yards a carry, which is decent, but that Kentucky offense, if it would have got anything going, they would have been able to handle Tennessee or at least be in the game a little bit more. And then to continue with the running backs, more of a disappointment, I would say, than really a stock down because I don't see it impacting his actual draft stock is David Montgomery at Iowa State had that physical altercation that led to the little mini brawl against Baylor at the point in the game before he got ejected. He only had 11 carries for 53 yards, but now he's going to miss the first half of a big Texas game, which would have a lot of scouts eyes on him. Again, I don't think he'll lose anything as far as draft stock and value, but I think it's more so just going to be disappointing that we lose a half of him against Texas, who has a very good defense. For you, Dwight, here are your stock ups and stock downs. A couple offense and a couple defense for up. The tight end from Alabama, Irv Smith Jr., is starting to really stick his name in there as first-round consideration even. I've heard in some mock drafts. They have a tendency there to always to have to recruit really good tight ends and then just not use them as well. And he definitely, he's got some work to do on blocking as most, but he's slowly, steadily making, I don't have any stats in hand, of course, but I think last week he had seven catches for 
five yards, something of that sort. And he's just been slowly integrating more into the offense, and it helps having a quarterback that can pass as well. Running back Trevion Williams from Texas A&M, he had two scores, if I remember right, and he just he looks really good. He has, has not figured much into the pass catching yet. That's just not something that Texas A&M typically does. So that's something that, you know, might hinder him a little bit in the NFL unless he learns that. And then on defense, I really like David Long from West Virginia, linebacker. He's having a hell of a season and leading a pretty pretty good defense in West Virginia. He's got a huge test coming up this week against Oklahoma State. I mean, it was evident how much better he is than all the other players on the field when he's on the field. He's, I think he's got a pretty bright future ahead of him. And then another linebacker. Also, Willie Gay Jr. from Mississippi State. He had two tackles against, or also had an interception of Tua there. There's another guy, I say definitely a lot. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> He's one of those guys that will def, will come into the play as probably a later pick. You know, he'll be like a fourth, fifth round probably. Actually, I think Willie Gay is a soft, but he's another guy who I like quite a bit coming out. And then the only person I really thought going down is just, I think Dwayne Haskins is against Michigan State, a good chance for him to prove himself and to bounce back. And I don't picture him doing much against Michigan in rivalry week. I I think he's pretty much at this point out of the Heisman race. Some people say he's still in it, but I just don't see it. I think he's too inefficient. And we're starting to see some of the cracks in his game as the season goes along as a future in the NFL still. Now, I think with Dwayne Haskins, we're seeing that classic Ohio State quarterback dilemma where the more you see of them like Cardell Jones in that college football playoff everyone came out of that thinking oh my god he's gonna be the next big quarterback prospect and now he's third string in San Diego I think it's one of those things and JT Barrett is third string down in New Orleans I think Haskins has a chance to actually play a little bit at the next level I think he's definitely gonna need to stay a year and uh, Matt Miller put out his big board this week and he put in there he didn't have Dwayne Haskins ranked on his quarterbacks because he said his school sources are saying he's going to be staying most likely. But we'll see how that plays out. Things could change. Injuries could happen. So then. I'm not a pro scout. I'm not going to ever pretend to be. Like I would like to see him in a little more wide open offense. And whereas Ohio State tends to play a little more pro style, a little more run heavy, I don't see the style of offense they play fitting a quarterback like him. And he's capable of having games where – in the beginning of the season when he was just balling out, but that wasn't typical Ohio State. I feel like the system doesn't fit his strengths as well, and if he can find the right fit in the NFL, I think he will have a future in the NFL. For sure. Transitioning now to the news and notes segment of the week, college football playoff is the hottest topic, I'd say, in the sport right now just because it's really going to be who's going to be playing Alabama at that number four spot. Dwight, there's a lot of talk of who that fourth team will be, like I said. Who do you think it could be? Yeah, I think Georgia will roll into the SEC title game versus Alabama, only having the one loss to LSU. I think they, they win, they're in. I mean, it's based on their strength of schedule and everything like that. I don't think there's any way they won't get the fourth seed. Michigan, though, has a very strong case, and it could come down to, like, slivers of a point, especially if they beat Ohio State, and then they're going to have a conference championship game against Northwestern, which they should pretty easily win, I would think. Oklahoma, they have to, they have a rough road. They have to beat West Virginia probably twice. They have to play them next week in or in the rivalry week at West Virginia, and then they also will get them in a championship game likely. 
I, I don't see them beating them twice. Indeed, even if they do, it may not be enough. I said Michigan or Georgia's most likely, but it's going to be close. It's going to be between, between Georgia and Michigan. And if for some reason Notre Dame trips up, then yeah, it's all hell's going to break loose. And if Georgia somehow beats Alabama in the title game, then Alabama could potentially fall in the top spot. And it could be just an absolute mess. But I think the most likely scenario at this point is Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and then I'm going to say Michigan. Is there a team that isn't in the picture, though, that you, that could be there by the time they get to this point, Andrew? I think Alabama's in. Clemson's going to be in. So really three and four are up for grabs. I think – I don't want to get too far ahead of the show. I don't think Notre Dame's going to be in the picture. So I think there's going to be two spots open. So I could see well, – I guess one more spot open. I see Michigan taking the three spot because I think they'll beat Ohio State, win the Big Ten and everything. And they're just they're the best team in the Big Ten, hands down. The defense has been incredible all year, led by Winovich, Winovich and Bush. Um, Shea Patterson's playing phenomenal. They have the run game with Karan Higdon, and Peoples-Jones is just an offensive weapon. Easily the best team Jim Harbaugh's put together there at Michigan. But I think West Virginia, if they can beat Oklahoma twice – Oklahoma has that name recognition. All those little fancy stats that they always add into the equations for the college football playoff. I think one will be Bama, two will be Clemson, three will be Michigan, and then four could be West Virginia. The only way that somebody other than uh, West Virginia gets in, I think, obviously, if they don't win with Oklahoma, if Georgia can somehow beat Bama in the SEC title game, then it's all hell breaks loose because you have arguments all over the board for everything. So even if they lost, I'd still put Bama at number one. I just think Georgia would take that spot for three through four. One and two is set. That's why we need an 18 playoff, right? Right. It would certainly make things easier. With all the playoff talk out of the way, now we get to our weekly segment where we give out our helmet stickers. You don't know what a helmet sticker is. You should watch football because all most college football teams, I would say probably most of them, have little stickers they put on their helmets. Kind of a pride thing. So, Andrew, who gets your helmet sticker for the week for their most amazing performance of the week? I'm giving mine to the quarterback from Duke, Daniel Jones. Um, he's climbing up a lot of people's draft boards, actually. I've seen him as the quarterback, too, across a lot of people who I, whose opinions I respect. Um, th- last weekend, Daniel Jones had the big Duke-North Carolina game. He went 31 for 54, 361 yards through the air with three touchdowns. And then he added on the ground 15 carries for 186 yards and a touchdown. So he had himself a very big game and a very close game against a tough North Carolina defense. I think Jones is going to be one of those people that will sneak up on everybody come draft time. I talked about it in one of my Debbie articles for Dynasty Happy Hour. He is coached by the Eli Manning and Peyton Manning as quarterback coaches, David Cutcliffe who's the head coach at Duke. When you watch Jones, you see a lot of uh, the mannerisms that Peyton Manning would have as far as how he holds the ball, footwork and everything. It just it looks really fluid. And I won't, don't want to say robot-like, but it you can tell he looks like a Manning without being a Manning. I think if you didn't know that Archie Manning had some random low child, it looked like Daniel Jones. <laughs> Except for the rushing ability, he is he's a very, very quick guy. Like I, I was really shocked by watching him at how – good he was on his feet, which is becoming more and more a part of the pro game. My helmet sticker to this week to probably somebody who most of you have not heard of before. It is Reichwell Armstead. He's a senior running back at Temple. 
This week he had 30 carries, 210 yards, and six touchdowns versus a Ed Oliver-less Houston defense. He's I actually really like him as an interesting prospect. 11, 215 pounds. He's built pretty strong, pretty solid. Um, he doesn't face a lot of strong defenses, obviously. He's very decisive. He doesn't make a lot of you know moves in the backfield or anything. He's very much a sees the hole, has the vision to take it up. He's one of those guys that's going to really be critical that he has a good showing at the combine. Fun to see. I feel like the running backs, there's always so many of them because a lot of them can translate to the pro game in some way. A lot of them get sorted out through the Shrine games, the Senior Bowls, and the scouting combine. So I think he'll definitely, with that size especially, I think he could be one to watch as a late-round pick. So usually at this point we do our Heisman Top 5, and we're all tired of talking about Tua and everybody else who's just going to be invited. So we thought we'd change it up and have some fun um, for a Top 5 topic, just our favorite Top 5 favorite college players we've watched this year. Just kind of introduce you to a couple more names because that's what this is all about is just giving you as much ammunition to take into your Debbie Leagues, rookie drafts, and everything, just so you go into it knowing some names and be like, hey, I've heard of him before. Dwight, if you want to do the honors, you can kick us off with your top five. Yeah, I'm not going to do anything too groundbreaking. Most of these names I hope you've heard of at this point. First, I wanted to talk about David Montgomery. He's obviously a little down this year, and I'm starting to get a little down on him as, a, as in the process, but I still, he's one of the guys I really love to watch play. Like I love watching him in the backfield. He, he kind of, I grew up watching Barry Sanders and he, he kind of reminds me of that, how he gets, you know, he'll get engaged in the backfield and he'll still somehow make three yards out of it. So it's, it's really fun to watch him. He's playing on an offense that doesn't have a very good offensive line, although he doesn't play against a whole lot of de- really great defenses either. He's just a really fun guy to watch. Very shifty and quick. His lateral agility is probably unlike many you won't ever see. Andrew, did you, what was your first one that you liked? Um, I'm going to start. My first player I want to talk about is Jordan Scarlett. I'm going to be a little bit of a homer with my Gators. He's their starting running back. Jordan Scarlett, to me, I really, really like the more I get to watch him this year. He splits time with the Michael Pirine down there. So, I mean, as far as a pro prospect, he's going to have a lot more tread on his tires, meaning he'll be able to be able to use a lot more. But he also has the size where he could eventually be a short-term bell cow. I don't see him being a giant presence in the NFL as a whole, but I could see him having a I could see him being one of the running backs like they've been gearing towards a lot of offenses where not one guy is going to be the workhorse. Kind of like in Kansas City, they have Hunt, who is their workhorse, but Spencer Ware still gets some time here and there. Washington with Adrian Peterson and everybody who's the revolving door there with their running backs. He could work into a committee like that. So He's a fun guy to watch. I think he'll eventually translate, but just for now, I enjoy him running over everybody and outrunning people at the same time. Yep. Another one I've wanted to talk about is Nikhil Harry. I mean, it's a game. Obviously, everybody knows the name there. He's going to be a first round wide receiver pick. He's going to be one of the top ones off the board. He's just a fun guy to watch. Like, he makes these catches that. I would like to see a real quarterback throwing him the ball so he didn't have to make such crazy circus catches, but. He just he he catches things you don't expect him to catch, and he just he's obviously has some work to run to make it in the pro game. He's not going to be a seamless transition to the NFL, most likely. He doesn't get the greatest separation, uh, but he he runs pretty clean routes, and his hands are just unreal. He's just he's just I mean, if you Google his highlights, they come up. And there's just tons of them. I feel like every other catch he makes is some crazy catch off his fingertips, falling backwards. You know, he's just a he's he's exciting, and that's you know, 
he's just a great, very fun to watch prospect. Another player I like we kind of just talked about, so I won't harp on him too much, Daniel Jones. I really, really, really like him. I'm starting to like him more and more. I don't know if it's just because I feel good about myself because everyone else is starting to like him or not, but um, it certainly feels good when other people start noticing him and evaluating him and putting him up there as the QB2 behind Herbert, who potentially, if Herbert stays, Jones could be the QB1 in this upcoming draft. We already talked about Jones, so I won't harp on him too much. So I'll send it back over to you quick, Dwight. Ed Oliver, I won't harp on him too much either. I feel like I talk about him every show, and he's going to be one of the top five picks in the NFL draft, most likely. Um, he's just an amazing talent. He's a guy that you don't you don't see big guys move like that very often. He's yeah, he's six foot three, two hundred ninety pounds, and he moves like if you put a running back on the line, that's what he looks like. He's just he moves so well, and he just he's got great handwork, great footwork. He is relentless. He's definitely one that he sees a lot of double and triple teams because of the system he's in. So he's not seeing top offensive linemen, but he's still having to fight through several guys every play. And he's just fun to watch, man. He's he's just he's gonna transition really well in the NFL. He's gonna be one of those guys who's gonna have 10 sacks his first season. And he's gonna I'd love to see him fall somewhere that has in our last mock draft we talked about. Cleveland, and that would be a really fun spot for him to watch. I mean, it would be impossible for any team to stop him and Miles Garrett and all the other guys. So it'd be nice to see him on a team that has a complimentary pass rusher and one that doesn't want to rely on him as much. No, for sure. He's always one to keep track of whenever he is playing. Another player for me, one I think we haven't talked about as much as we should have, uh, wide receiver out of Iowa State, Hakeem Butler. He had the really big breakout game. Two weekends ago, Moss and everyone all over the place. I do think as far as size and his range, as he's shown with his catching ability, I think he's definitely going to be a big player at the next level. I mean, he's six foot six, 225 pounds. He's one that I'm getting more excited to. I haven't watched as much on him as I want to. I will admit that, but I am excited to dive into it more. As this season winds down, I'm really excited to dive in on a lot of players, and he's one of them at the top of my watch list that I want to get into and watch more of his games. All right, he really impressed me a lot last year when I was actually watching Alan Lazard. I thought Butler popped out more in most of the games, and the fact that he was productive alongside Alan Lazard was amazing. He's a yeah, he's been fun to watch this season. Another guy that I like is Josh Allen, obviously. If you've seen my Twitter profile pick, you know that I love him. I'm interested to see where he's going to fall. I, I've seen him as high as five on draft picks, and then I've seen him as low as 20. And he's he's a very interesting outside linebacker who's going to fit that. I honestly see him as, on, as like a Von Miller type. His, his game is is very similar if you watch him. He can, he can drop back in coverage. He's very fast. He's got good feet but he's going to make his hay as a pass rusher. He's got – and everybody, I think, is starting to realize where he's at and realize, like, he's been kind of quiet lately. But if you watch the tape, it's because they've got guys – you don't usually see offenses shadow defensive guys, but they are watching where he is at every play, it feels like, and he's getting engaged. And it's it's kind of like his sometimes, you know, defenses will scheme against a certain offensive player, but it seems like they are definitely – trying to account where Josh Allen is. For sure. I think Josh Allen, I think, is the most uh, – him and Chicago Polite are the two I'm most excited about to see where they go because I think they're big, slim, speedy pass rushers on the edge. I saw a clip this past weekend of Allen bending the edge, and it was 
beautiful. I think he's definitely going to be a problem at the next level. My next two, my last two, I will say are kind of a combo deal. They are the quarterback and wide receiver tandem out of Buffalo, uh, Tyree Jackson and Anthony Johnson. Talked about Anthony Johnson last week a little bit, but I really, really am starting to like him a lot. Um, he might even break into my top five receivers by the time it's all said and done. Six foot two, 220 plus pounds. He has the size, but he also has the speed. He'll burn you. And I think he looks really good right now because his quarterback, Tyree Jackson, as I mentioned, he's huge himself. Uh, he has a giant arm as well. He's able to hit Johnson on these 75-yard bombs. They almost look like Pat Mahomes and Tyree Kill at the college level. It'll be interesting to see how uh, Jackson translates. I mentioned in our combined article we did for dynasty happy hour jackson when i watch him just the way he moves and the way his shoulders are and it just it reminds me a lot of jamarcus russell but i think jamarcus russell's problem was more off the field than it was on the field so i'm not saying that's necessarily a bad thing but it's something to watch for sure but yeah those two have me pretty excited to watch the mac championship if they make it there right and my final guy is a small a small school guy with a really cool name, O'Shane Jimenez from Old Dominion. He's still among the leaders in sacks in the NF in the NCAA. He got an invite to the Senior Bowl yesterday, so you'll get a chance to watch him there. He's six foot four, two fifty five. He plays on the defensive line for Old Dominion, but he'll obviously be more of a a stand up outside rusher type in the NFL. One of those types that will get his will get down in a three point stance eventually, or for some plays, but he'll be mostly a stand up pass rusher. He's fun. He's a lot of fun to watch. He's got an amazing motor, man. He is so, so, so quick. He's going to be one that's going to destroy the combine. He's one of those guys that's going to come in and he's, they'll see his tape and they'll be like, oh, okay, he's awesome. You know, but then they'll, he's going to measure extremely well at the combine. And he's a freak athlete. It's going to be fun to watch where he lands and how they use him. He's a guy that I really like and, I just like watching He's It's kind of fun to watch those small school games that are shot on, you know, terrible cameras and, you know, you, know, you got to make sure you're who you're watching and stuff. It's kind of funny. It feels like you're old school scouting when you're watching guys like that. I love it. Finally, we got our weekend preview. We got kind of a quieter weekend. Not a lot of huge marquee matchups this week, but there's a fun small school game this weekend. On Friday night, the Friday Night Lights, Lane Kiffin, Florida Atlantic, visiting North Texas, which sounds like a high school game almost at that point. <laughs> Is there anyone in this small school game we're taking note of, Andrew? Yeah, there are two players I'm going to be watching. One, on the Florida Atlantic, he's had pro prospects all year. Devin Singletary, their running back. He's 5'9", 200 pounds. He's a junior. I don't know if he'll declare or if he'll stay. It's kind of in between at this point, I would say. He's having a down year compared to last year, but even with a down year, he has 1,100 yards, over five yards per carry, over 20 touchdowns. I really like Singletary a lot. I think this year Florida Atlantic has just kind of dropped down as a whole, which has kind of affected Singletary. But a player I'm really liking a lot, I just wish he was a smidge bigger and then the pro possible prospects of it would be talked about more from north texas is mason fine he's their starting quarterback he's a junior he's 511 180 so he's kind of more of that kyler murray size another 20 pounds on him i probably wouldn't have as much concern with him but i mean his completion percentage uh 63.7 percent he has over 3,000 yards 23 touchdowns and two picks this year my favorite part about this north texas team is their quarterback coach is grant harrell 
the quarterback from Texas Tech, who had that success with Mike Leach, as we talked about with Minshew. So it's just fun. Graham Harrell, I follow on Twitter. He's constantly talking about Mason Fine, trying to get him nominated for all these awards. And I think he's the best quarterback in the country that that seems no one wants to talk about. So I'm really excited to watch Mason Fine against a tough Atlantic team. And then for you, Dwight, your Spartans have a sneaky tough matchup against a Nebraska team that's finally seeming to start to get some wheels under them after they destroyed Lovey Smith in Illinois last week. Who are you going to watch in that game? For me, it, with Nebraska, it all starts, obviously, with Adrian Martinez, the freshman quarterback. See how he reacts. He destroyed Illinois, but he's not going to destroy Michigan State that easily. <laughs> um, Joe Bocci, the linebacker there, he's a, probably their best pros pos prospect at this point. Rangy covers a lot of ground, great run defender. I imagine he will be spying on Martinez the entire game. So it'll be I'm interesting to see how that plays out. And they have to go out to Nebraska. So I honestly think Nebraska will win the game. I don't have a lot of faith in the way Michigan State is playing right now. But another guy that I've been to two Michigan State games that has really caught my eye and I want to watch closely through the next couple of years is Raekwon Williams. He's a freshman defensive line. He's a massive, massive guy. And he just eats up blocks and pushes around offensive linemen. He's going to be a lot of fun to watch as he gets you know more experience under his belt in the Big 10. So it's yeah, it should be a pretty good game. I imagine both teams have strengths that match weakness, you know, strengths. So it'd be curious to see how this one plays out. It should be a hard-fought game, typical Big 10 game. I have my own opinion of Lurky and LJ Scott, quarterback and running back for your team at this point. Before the season they had a lot of hype as far as pro potential. Do you think that's dead at this point, or do you think there's a chance for Scott a little bit? I know me personally, I'm completely checked out on the working, but Scott, I think, as in as most running backs, do have a chance to make it somewhere. But what do you think? Yeah, I don't, I don't see Scott L.J. Scott making it anywhere at this point. Unfortunately, he had such hype coming out, especially his freshman year and his sophomore year. He just seemed like he was really good, very decisive. Every game this year, I know their offensive line isn't the greatest, but he just he's running into the backs of players. His vision's not there. He doesn't seem to have the ability to make the first guy miss. And I don't have any faith in LJ Scott at this point, and I hate saying that. It was such a highly regarded prospect coming in. And as for Lewerke, I, I think he'll get drafted. I think he could stick around the NFL, kind of like uh, Brian Hoyer, and nobody thought Kirk Cousins was going to be much of anything either. Lorky's obviously a different mold than those two guys. He's more mobile, but his his accuracy is not anywhere near as good. He, give him a couple years to learn, and he might be a, a decent backup in the NFL, but I can't see anything else beyond that. So another matchup of ranked teams this week has Iowa State facing Texas, a game you talked about a little bit earlier. So what, what are you most excited about in that game, Andrew? I'm really excited to see, as we talked about, Hakeem Butler. I want to see the wide receiver matchups between Butler and Colin Johnson and little Jordan Humphrey over at Texas. Well, they're not going against each other. I just want to see them kind of go back and forth on who's going to outdo the other. A lot of good wide receiver talent there. Like I said, Sam Malinger is another fun one to watch at Texas. And then I want to see how David Montgomery responds to missing the first half. Pope and Iowa State comes out with his fresh legs and just tries to run the ball down Texas's throat. It'll be interesting to see how he could do not getting really a warm-up of sorts. 
that's probably my favorite game for the whole weekend because a lot of them, like we talked about, Alabama, they're playing the Citadel and everybody else is just kind of doing snoozer warm-ups for rivalry week. So, But this is a sneaky fun one, I think, in the Big 12. Both teams play defense, which is a rare thing. So it'll be fun to watch for sure. Probably my other favorite matchup this weekend, as far as the upset potential there, Dwight, is probably going to be between Syracuse and Notre Dame. Do you think Syracuse will be able to pull up the upset on them? Or if they do, what would be the crucial part of that? I think they've got as good a chance as anybody at this point that has they've played up to this. Syracuse has like this really good underdog. You know, they 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 like that fight. You know, it's something you like to see. They've got one of the top field position differential and field position and turnovers. They're plus thirteen on the season. They have one of the they have the best offensive starting position in the country and the seventh best defensive starting, but everything runs through the quarterback Eric Dungey. Everything runs through Eric Dungey there. He's a dangerous runner. They're playing really well. They took Clemson to the wire, playing with a fight, and they're really fun to watch. They're one that's probably not going to have a lot of stars per se. They have um, on defense. They have Keelan Whitner. He's kind of like a honey badger type. He plays linebacker, cornerback, safety. He's got 84 tackles this year. Brian Guthrie's another strong guy on defense. He's a first-year starter, linebacker there. He has 11.5 tackles for a loss. They, they definitely have that fight to them in that. Just, you, you, just, you see it when you, when you watch them play. They, they just don't give up, and they don't, they don't care. They don't have the star powers. Nobody expects them to win, and I think they relish that role. No, for sure. That Syracuse team is, is a lot of fun, and they have a lot of fight in them. I mean, they took Clemson down to the wire earlier in the year but i think a big factor and it's kind of weird there it's almost like it's new england and south bend they're not talking about ian book and his rib and i'm kind of interested to see if you think that'll be a big part if he i mean if he doesn't play i mean it completely changes the game for Notre Dame and their game plan right i think if they don't if book does not play i Wimbush has, has got that senior leadership but he's just been plagued by inefficiency and turnovers his whole career um i don't think ian Books rib injuries are a long-term issue, but they could they have a potential to be a pesky injury that lasts for the rest of the year. I've had a rib injury before, and they don't go away very easily. And every time you hit them or every time you breathe, they can definitely be an issue, and they can really sap the life of a person. <laughs> like the rib injuries are are not fun. They're you can't play football and, and heal correctly depending on how deep it is and things like that, obviously. So I'm not worried about him long-term. Um, everything point looks good so far. Everything's pointing to him playing this week. A little worried. I don't I think, I think. don't want him to rush him back at the same time. And I mentioned Syracuse's defense, a couple guys on Notre Dame's defense. Tavon Clowney is one of the top linebackers. He should be one of those guys that could go late day one, possibly, and definitely day two for sure. He has 87 tackles this year. He's the leader of that defense. And then Julian Love is a tremendous cornerback. I've seen him. Julian Love is very good. I've seen him mocked in the top 15, you know, right after Greedy Williams. And then there's also Jerry Tillery. Is They've got a pretty good defensive line there overall. Jerry Tillery is like the big pro prospect there. He's got six sacks this year, and he's just – He's just one of those space-eating monsters. He just gathers in tackles, and he's he's a lot of fun to watch. That whole defensive line has got some talent, so Syracuse is not going to run away with this game by any means. It's it's going to be a dogfight. I think Tillery reminds me of uh, in-shape Louis Nix from a couple years ago. 
He has the athletic ability, and he gets to the quarterback, and I like him a lot as a D-line prospect. we got some players to watch this weekend. We've, you know, we've been through some of this and, and stuff. We've, we've talked about some of the guys in each of these matchups and some of the guys that we love to watch. And, Andrew, you're going to focus on a couple guys this weekend. Are there, who's really going to – who are you watching extra close this weekend? Watching a couple quarterbacks and a tight end. The one tight end is one that you all already know. It's Noah Fant from Iowa. 35 receptions on the year, 452 yards, six touchdowns. His size is six foot five, 241 pounds. He honestly looks like the closest thing to Gronk at the college level. He's just so athletic. His ball skills are fantastic. He's a great red zone target. I, I think on my big board at the end of the year, I probably already should have him penciled in at the top 10, maybe even the top five for rookie drafts next year, which is crazy because I remember the last time a tight end, I would advise somebody to use a first round pick on in fantasy. But I mean, if you're talking, if you have a tight end need, Noah Fant might be your guy. Quarterbacks I'm talking about are Eric Dungy, as we talked about at Syracuse. Pro potential with him's really not there. He's just going to be one more of those fun, you look back college quarterbacks that really makes it the game entertaining to watch. Tebow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will leave that go because we don't have time to have that discussion. That is another episode, ladies and gentlemen. It is. It'll be the Tebow episode whenever we have a lull in news. Anyway, he has over 2,700 yards combined on the ground and through the air. He has 26 touchdowns, five picks. Dungy's just one of those fun players, like I said. And he keeps he's a good leader for Syracuse. He keeps him in the game. He doesn't turn the ball over, which will be crucial this weekend against Notre Dame. And then another fun pro uh, small school quarterback to watch is Justice Hansen out of Arkansas State. He has the size to be a potential pro prospect at six foot four, two hundred twenty-five pounds. Not the flashiest of stats: twenty-six hundred yards, twenty-two touchdowns, six picks. He's just more efficient, and he's one of those good decision makers. I'd say he can make a play when he needs to for Arkansas State, but I could see him being like a sixth or seventh round quarterback pick. Just team takes a flyer on just to see if he pans out into something. Maybe New England pulls another thing, kind of like they did with Danny Etling this past year in the draft. But those are the players I'm excited to watch. I'm really kind of diving more into the smaller school guys as it gets towards the end of the year because it's harder to find tape on them, whereas the big school guys, there's always stuff to find on them. And then for you, Dwight, here, you watch them with your games or for your players, excuse me. I'll go right to one of the small school guys, Andy Isabella. He's wide receiver for UMass. The nation's leading wide receiver with 1,479 yards against that def- that Georgia defense. I mean, obviously it's going to be a blowout, but it'll be fun to watch and see if Andy Isabella can play against some pro-caliber talent there in Georgia. He's primarily a slot guy. He's shifty, really insanely quick. A couple weeks ago, he, oh, he's 5'10", 190 pounds. He posted nine catches for 303 yards two weeks ago which is like unheard of to post that much out of a slot, especially. And he's just a fun guy to watch and he'll, it's going to be interesting to see him matching up against that Georgia defense. Also like Eno Benjamin from Arizona state, they play um They're playing Oregon this weekend. He's a sophomore running back. He's another guy who's built, like it seems to become more of the prototypical build now, five foot 10, 200 pounds, a little smaller than you'd like. Maybe you'd want closer to 220. He has 1,300 yards, 12 touchdowns on the ground, and what impresses me most about him is he can catch the ball. This year he's got 30 catches for 200 yards and a couple touchdowns. So he's kind of overshadowed there by Nikhil Harry, obviously. But he's just as much of a driving factor with that offense. 
And then lastly, it's not a player, it's a game. Like I want to watch Cincinnati versus UC the Central Florida. The pro prospects, you know, there's a couple guys. This game is, is getting the the ABC primetime slot slot Saturday night, like game days going there for ESPN. For Cincinnati versus Central Florida, it's a huge deal. It's going to be a freaking shootout. Uh, Michael Warren, the second, is a sophomore tailback. He's a pretty good-sized guy, 5'11", 220. He has over 1,000 yards and 17 touchdowns. That's for Cincinnati. And then you just want to, those quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter and Mackenzie Milton, just gunslingers, man. This is game is going to be like a 55-49 type game. You got anything on that one? <laughs> no, I think you pretty much said it all. I'll be honest with you. I kind of got distracted because I just saw it pop up on my Twitter feed that Ed Oliver and Major Applewhite got into a scuffle on the sidelines during the Houston game. <laughs> Jeez. What is Major yeah. doing there? He is ass kicked. Oh. All I saw was – yeah, seriously. All I saw was him telling Oliver to take off a jacket, and then they were coming off for halftime, and Oliver looked like he was going to punch a hole in his face. Anyway, yeah. apologize for that distraction. Oh, it's all right, man. I was just talking about a crazy game anyways. It's a Madden game. No, no, no. <laughs> no, I heard what you were saying. It's just yeah. you're always very efficient in what you cover, so I don't have much to add for you there. All right. Final word, Andrew, what do you got for upset of the week this week, man? I think, and I'm going to do a little history lesson here for my upset, 2002 Survivor Series, Brock Lesnar had a rib injury, and Big Show beat him for the upset. For all you wrestling fans, there's your little plug there, especially for my buddy Jordan. But I think the rib injury is going to do in Notre Dame this weekend. I think even if Ian Book plays, Syracuse plays very physically on defense. They knocked out Kelly Bryant two years ago and upset Clemson then. I could see them doing that again with Ian Book and just going after him nonstop and trying to be as physical as they can. I think Syracuse pulls it off, and I think Syracuse opens up the door for a new team to be put into the playoff. Because if Notre Dame has one loss, they're, they're done. There's there's nothing they could do the rest of the year to make up for it. And just real quick, a little side note that the dorky views of my co-host are not indicative of the Dovey Owners Manual's thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> no, I used to watch. I have no shame. I used to watch wrestling back in the day. But <laughs> it's it's been a while, man. Not since Stone Cold Steve Austin have I watched wrestling. Oh jeez. All right, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Oklahoma State beating West Virginia. I, I know that kind of throws a kink in what you talked about in the beginning of the show. West Virginia does have a defense, but they have not really played a, as efficiently efficient, powerful offense as Oklahoma State. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be another shootout. It seems to be the theme of a lot of games these days. Will Greer and Taylor Cornelius. Cornelius is the quarterback for Oklahoma State. They're offensively, the teams are so similar offensively statistically. Like, it's crazy. They're almost like a mirror image of each other. West Virginia has a little bit better of a defensive edge. And it, it's a huge game for Oklahoma State because they they have to travel and play Oklahoma next week. So they play Oklahoma next week, and they're still kind of sort of in the hunt for everything. And it's just it's going to be a fun game to watch as well. I'm going to go with OK State over West Virginia. I think I'll put out a poll after this, too, to see who – that people think which upset is more likely to happen. Because I think both of them realistically could happen. <coughs> so it'll be fun to see Absolutely. what other people think. All right, man. That's it for episode four. Andrew, you tell the people where they can find you. Yep, they can find me over at Dynasty Happy Hour still. 
They can find me on Twitter at DHH underscore Mandrew. And then I also picked up, started writing this week for a new up-and-coming website, just six months old, called The Score Crow. I think it's my favorite play on words I've ever seen. So <laughs> that got my attention right away. So I'll be covering some NFL stuff over there for them and doing some bowl game coverage for them as well. So you can find me there in the meantime for you, Dwight. On Twitter, I am FF People's Champ. Although I don't think I'm going to win any championships in fantasy football this year. Um, I write for DHH when I have a time. It's been a little dry spell. I've been kind of busy the last couple months. Still getting some articles out at the Fantasy Authority redraft style there. And obviously on here talking Debbie. That's it for this week. Everybody have fun watching college games this weekend and get ready for Thanksgiving and rivalry week. And everybody have a good week. Excelsior. Rest in peace, family. Don't forget about the Mountain West, the Mac that can flex, Sunbelt is next, Ivy League fresh, literally dope, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of players to test, G! I'm serious, they will talk about the most obscure players on this planet, potentially another planet. Like, dude's got a 4340 from Mars, like, I don't know, I, it's too much, I'm done. I'm gone this time. Like...